G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. It is Friday afternoon, so what better time to sit down and preview another weekend full of sport. The NBA Finals are in the books. Congrats to the Golden State Warriors. I'll be discussing everything to do with their latest championship success. Of course, the last buy round is upon us in the footy world as well. Six games of AFL action, which means AFL fantasy coaches have three more trades up their sleeve to try and improve their roster before we go back to the best of 22 rounds. So plenty to get amongst this uh, sports BEP. Let's do it. Not exactly a huge talking point, but first thing I want to discuss is a little bit of NFL action, focusing on Minka Fitzpatrick from the Pittsburgh Steelers. The safety that was originally drafted by Miami is now the richest paid safety in the entire league, the highest paid safety in NFL history. The Steelers gave him a four-year, $73 million extension and improved what is already a pretty big strength of theirs. Their defense for generations has been part of their calling card. And I'm very intrigued to see what they can dish up in the AFC North. There's a little bit of turmoil with some of the other quarterbacks. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns made arguably the biggest move this offseason by trading for Deshaun Watson. And they've still got Baker Mayfield on their roster to be a little bit of an insurance policy in case Watson is hit with a suspension. Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. We're not exactly sure what's going on with his contract dispute, but it seems like he's going to play ball and everything will get sorted out for the Ravens. But it does maybe open the window for the Steelers to steal a couple of uh, wins that they might not actually get. Because on the offensive side of the ball, there are plenty of question marks. I'll talk more NFL fantasy stuff as the season gets closer. But Najee Harris, their running back, I think is going to be huge on offense this year and a great first round top five pick. But outside of that, there's not a lot to get behind. They've got Mitch Trubisky, currently slated as their starting quarterback. They obviously drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round of the NFL draft as well. So they've got options at quarterback, but I don't really love their receiving group and their offensive line has some question marks. We saw that Ben Roethlisberger retired after last season. Again, the defense is what's going to put bums on seats for Pittsburgh. And I'll be interested to see if they can improve on their season. I don't think it's likely though. They went nine, seven and one in 2021. So I think a sub 500 year is on the card for Pittsburgh fans. And there's not a lot to get excited about on the offensive side of the ball outside of Najee Harris, but maybe now that Ben Roethlisberger isn't there, we'll see Mike Tomlin move a couple of magnets and switch things up a bit and try and reinvigorate this team to put them back in the playoff picture. Second topic on the agenda. I want to talk some AFL team selection. Obviously last night, prior to Thursday night footy getting underway, which I'll discuss in a minute. We got the teams for round 14. And there was a couple of noteworthy rookies that were named. We saw Massimo Diambrosio be named for the Essendon Bombers, mid-season draftee taken third overall. And he was making some waves and exciting a lot of potential recruiters in the AFL scene throughout the first half of the VFL season. He had a cup of coffee with Richmond and did a little bit of stuff. Essendon tried to get him to play for them before he was drafted and two weeks or less than two weeks after being drafted, he's making his debut on Friday night footy. So that's pretty fucking cool. If you ask me, like I said, he turned heads in the VFL. He had 101 fantasy points last week. He had 21 touches up to halftime. I think he ended with over 30. 
And I'll be excited to watch him play tonight against St. Kilda. By the time you're listening to this, that game may already be in the books. Uh, quick tip, Saints by 17. But I think that regardless of what the result of the game is, how they use D'Ambrosio will dictate a lot of his fantasy value. But 190K defender, fantasy coaches will be happy to pounce on him. We saw that there was another mid-season recruit in Bryn Teekle, who's set to rejoin the AFL system. I think he was with the Bombers previously. I don't think he's played a game though. So technically making his AFL debut, which is great and exciting to see. He'll be probably shouldering half the ruck load, I expect, for Port Adelaide. They earlier in the week were saying they were pretty happy with Finn Lason and keeping Charlie Dixon rolling through the ruck. But Brent Eagle seems like a pretty exciting type of player. He kicked three snags in the sample last week, scored 77 with a dozen to 15 touches, a couple of hitouts in that mix as well. So hopefully he can score well, another 190K ruck forward. So fantasy coaches will probably be pouncing on those two blokes. But a big inclusion when Teams was announced was also Braden Proust. Now he's been having a bit of a roller coaster season when it comes to being in and out of that giant side. And we saw that Matty Flynn kept his spot in the team. They played quite a few games together earlier this year, and it hasn't exactly impacted Prusy's scoring. But if you want to make a potential trade and bring Proust in, I ditched the bloke last week. So great timing by the large fries and Coke. But you bring him in, that might help free up some cash to make another upgrade around the ground. I just want to temper expectations a little bit going up against Tim English, who I think is the number one trade target for blokes who are ditching Max Gorn to put into your R1 slot. But there's plenty of reasons to grab Prusy as well. And I think outside of a couple of rookies and Prusy, there weren't too many other noteworthy things with the teams. We saw that West Coast made about seven to eight changes to their lineup for something different. A couple of ins and outs here and there. Trav Boak is out with health and safety protocols, a couple of other things, but nothing really major. So we should be in for another ripper weekend of footy, especially from a fantasy perspective. Third topic today, I want to talk Thursday night footy. Like I said previously, I'm a big fan of it. And last night's game between Carlton and Richmond was Worth watching. Seemed like a pretty good spectacle. I was able to tune into chunks and bits and pieces of it. It looked like the Tigers were just going to run away, but Carlton, credit to them, they kept in the mix. They were pesky enough to test the Tigers. Didn't get the four points at the end, and Tigers and Carlton seem to be heading in opposite directions, to be honest. Richmond's really hitting their straps now that they're at the pointy end of the season, or getting towards it at least. We've got about two months ballpark of the regular season still up our sleeves a little bit longer, actually. But Richmond now cementing a spot inside the top eight, which is good to see. I think they're right at the end of their premiership window or their potential uh, dynasty coming to a close. So like blokes like Trent Cotchen, Shane Edwards, Dion Presti is not probably in the same age bracket. Jack Rewalt, Dylan Grimes, Toby Nankervis. All these guys have played their best footy previously. Even Dusty, I reckon you can throw in that mix who missed Thursday night footy. So... It'll be interesting to see how far Richmond can go this year and what their back half of the season does look like. But they needed that win on Thursday night and they got it. Carlton, I haven't been a believer all year, to be honest. They've won a couple of games maybe that they shouldn't have. But, I mean, credit to what they've achieved so far. They've surprised me, not shocked me. I wouldn't say shocked. It's a bit of a statement. But, you know, they were sitting in fourth. I think they still will be technically, depending on how much Geelong win by uh, on uh, Saturday against West Coast. But nine and four is a good record if you're a Blues fan and I told you that that's where you'd be sitting when the buy rounds came to conclusion. So 
they probably only need another two to three wins, probably three, four, to play finals footy. And I'll be very intrigued to see if the Blues do continue their vein of form that they showed earlier in the year. It must be noted that their back line has been decimated by injury. We saw Caleb Marchbank play last Thursday against, no, Friday against Carlton, rather, and then go down with injury. Sam Durden came in and his replacement. And it looks like that poor bloke got injured as well. So they're without four or five of their first, well, not even first choice, but of their key backmen. So there's alarm bells ringing from that perspective. Cripper and Walshie still seem to be getting it done in the engine room, though. And they've got stars around the mark. Georgie Hewitt has been arguably the pickup of the offseason. So the Blues, I probably should have a little bit more faith in, but I don't really view them as serious premiership contenders. And their loss in round 14 could come back to bottom. I think that they're destined to finish in that bottom half of the top eight, but you could say the same about Richmond. So, you know, they lose to another team that's around the same mark as them. It's not the end of the world. It may be the end of the world for the Bulldogs if they lose. I think the GWS and Western Bulldogs game this weekend is easily the matchup of the round. The dogs sitting at six and six aren't where they would like to be. I think it's, you know, not exactly groundbreaking to announce that. And GWS, as JLo and I talked about, seem like they're hitting their straps and starting to trend in the right direction. Where they play Harry Himmelberg is a big topic of discussion, but some of their big name players are starting to get back in form. The likes of Whitfield, Cornelio, Josh Kelly going into their bye was arguably the form player of the comp. So we've known for years that the Golden Golden State, that the Greater Western Sydney Giants have arguably the best on paper team. But if they can bring it all together and come to if that comes to fruition over the weekend i wouldn't be shocked if i see the dogs lose and at six and seven i'll probably have to finish with 13 12 wins to make finals and that's going to be a pretty tough ask to do from 13th 12th on the ladder which is probably where they'll be if they lose to the giants on the weekend righty fourth thing i want to talk about is the fourth championship for the golden state warriors and mainly steph curry draymond and clay kudos to the dubs I don't think they were the best team all year, and I don't think they were the best team in the playoffs, but they were the best team in this series. Boston had their chances. They had 22 turnovers in this game, which just highlights some of their miscues that they've had throughout the series. Credit needs to be given to Golden State from a defensive standpoint. And like I talked about with JLo on Wednesday, I think that their experience really shone through in the end when it mattered most. Steph Curry had another 34 points, claimed his finals MVP award. Don't think that'll change anything. Everyone knows that Steph Curry is a legend and pushing for a potential top 10 place all time, but huge for the dubs. I didn't expect them to bounce back this quickly and to be in a championship position. And like I've said previously, that might've been their final dead set crack at it. So it's great to see them get a win four rings now for a lot of great players and it means that there's no more basketball for a long period of time, but Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, a lot of these guys improved their stature or potentially their profile around the league and maybe able to be pried away from Golden State if someone wants to come and offer a bag. But Golden State cemented their dynasty with another championship. First time they've won since 2018, which has been a long time for Warriors fans. So spare a thought for all those Dub Nation faithful who've had to go through the hard yards before they got another chip. Sticking with basketball, item number five is the surprising Christian Wood trade to the Dallas Mavericks, which I think is a pretty good get for the Mavs. Houston received the 26 pick in the upcoming draft, which is going to happen next week. And a couple of other salary cap fillers. I don't even know if honestly any of those guys will stay in their team 
to end the year, but huge to see Christian Wood landing in Dallas. I know that he's on the books for another season, maybe two, but I think just a season. And Dallas now has a lot of blokes in that 10 to $20 million bracket. So do they extend Jalen Brunson this offseason? Is someone going to come and throw a lot of money at the bloke because he's a restricted free agent? That remains to be seen. But Christian Wood gives Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks a nice pick and pop option. He averaged close to 20 and 10 during his time with the Rockets. And I can understand why Houston want to ditch him. They're probably going to take a front court player with the third overall pick, someone like Paolo Banquero, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr. And they've already got Alperen Sengun as well, who they drafted last year. So ditching Wood frees up a little bit of minutes for those guys and also gives them a little bit more cap flexibility moving forward whilst picking up some more draft capital. But from a Dallas perspective, this is big. I don't know if it's championship altering big, but they definitely got better with this trade, which after a season where you make the Western Conference finals to be rolling into the draft and to have improved your squad already, I think it's a good thing. I think Mavs fans should be happy with the trade and how the rest of their roster takes shape will be interesting to watch. But having Christian Wood in their lineup definitely makes them more appealing and more tantalizing as a championship contender. Okie dokie, last item. I know I've been doing five the last couple of weeks, but six is my favorite number. So I'm going to go out with six and talk some AFL fantasy because there was a lot of people who have been shuffling to try and put green dots all over their field, myself included. And I'm so glad that this is the last buy round. I was hit with a Alex Witherden omission and a Greg Clark, uh, who I reckon will probably be the sub. I don't think they're going to make him play waffle. Uh, with the outs of those two on Thursday night, but it's not all terrible at the large fries and Coke. I think I'm still coming out of the buy rounds with a better team, how much better that remains to be seen. And I've still got a couple of injured dudes who I may have to address after the buy rounds, but you know what? It is what it is. I can only control what's in front of me. So three trades this week, I'll probably turn Gorney to Tim English. That only cost me about 40 K. And then with a little bit of extra cash that I have up my sleeve, I'll likely turn Tom Mitchell into Tuke Miller. I think that Tom Mitchell will bounce back and I think you can hold him. That does make sense for a lot of coaches out there, but a bloke on his buy, it gives me a chance to get a guy who I think will finish the season as a top 10 midfielder, potential captain choice this week as well against Adelaide. Uh, so I think having Tuke in my side will help me in the long run. So that's the route I'm going down. And then my third trade, I'll be finally getting rid of bloody Connor McDonald, who has done his job as a cash cow. He's probably not going to grow anymore if he does manage to reintegrate himself in Hawthorne's lineup. Turn him into D'Ambrosio frees me up about 200K. So I've still got the Zorko-sized issue. Clark, Witherden, Butters. There's a, sl- a couple of rookies in Saligo and Martin will still be on my field after the buys. So still some issues to address and still some moves that I need to make. But having a little bit of extra uh, cash in the bank should help me do that. I'm going to have 19 green dots, I think, after trades this week, which isn't the end of the world. Thank God Bryn Tickle made a surprise, uh, got the surprise call up. I didn't think that was happening, but I'm stoked to see him in the team, which means that I've got a little bit of flexibility. If someone drops an absolute stinker and does a Mitch Owens or gets hurt, then at least I've got uh, one insurance plan. So leaves me, like I said, with 200-ish K. I had Sam Walsh play last night and made him my vice captain and, Early in the fourth quarter, it looked like I was just going to have to worry about who I put the C on to cash in that Walshy score. At 109, it's probably a little bit lower than what coaches would like to take from a captain's score. But 
given it's the buy rounds and some of the shit that's unfolded recently, I don't know if I want to go with Took Miller on debut against Adelaide because I have a sneaky suspicion Adelaide's going to make that game a bit more competitive than most think. Josh Kelly, after being tagged by Kane Turner, worries me a bit. A lot of my other big name midfielders like Brayshaw and Neil are resting this round. So I think I'm going to take 109 from Walsh as my skipper score, which isn't great, but it's a guaranteed another near 110 points, which after the last uh, buy round, I'll happily take. So that's how the large fries and coke are shaping up. And the next two to three weeks will dictate just how serious my season will be. I've slipped back, like I said previously, to about 2,200th before this round got underway. And there are no guarantees that I'll be able to keep climbing upwards, but I'm going to die trying, that's for sure. And that's it. Another quick fire sports pod in the books. Six quick bite-sized news items to kickstart your weekend. Hopefully you have a good weekend. Good luck to all the fantasy coaches out there. Basketball fans, prepare yourselves because we're about to enter the dreaded off-season. There'll be plenty of rumours and plenty of stories to cover, but no hoops now until October, which does make me want to shed a single tear, but at least there'll be plenty of exciting stuff to monitor and plenty of stuff for me and JLo to talk about from an NBA perspective. So thank you for tuning into this episode. Have a ripper weekend. I'll catch you next time.